So we're in a series called FaceTime God, and we're finishing it up here today, and so I'm going to be motoring. I've got a lot of information to cover in a short period of time to do it, and so, uh, but anything I don't cover, I'm going to uh, put on our pastor's post and our YouTube channel, so there'll be some things that I, I will want to cover on that that I don't get to today, and so I'll just give you a heads up on that, so do my best as much as possible. But we've been talking about a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. Jesus made the promise, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but he left. How is that? How is he to fulfill that promise? Well, he sent the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit and Jesus are one. Holy Spirit is God. So there it is. He fulfilled the promise and he continues to fulfill it. We've also learned that the Holy Spirit has been sent to be our parakletos, our helper, our advocate to empower us to a purpose, to an end, to do wonderful things in our life. We've talked about the fruit of the Holy Spirit and how the fruit of the Holy Spirit is to help us grow in the character of God, to be the sign and seal of the work of God in our life. So the sign of his presence, the seal of his work for eternity, but also for us to, have, to know that he's in us by seeing his character, his love, his joy, his peace, his faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, operating in our soul, in our character. That's the fruit. Then last week, we talked about the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to hone in on that today with a little more detail. And uh, so we talked last week about the reason or the purposes for the gifts of the Spirit, three main ones. Number one, for us to be able to be empowered to go to the community, to go to the world and share the gospel with power to be witnesses. Now, he didn't at that time in Acts chapter 1 tell him exactly how that was going to happen, except based on experience, they saw signs and wonders, things, miraculous things that Jesus did that caused people to turn, to look, and to see that God was moving, that Jesus himself was God and was bringing a message of hope, of salvation. Jesus was going to do the same with us. He said, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't leave and go anywhere. Don't try to accomplish the great commission until you've received the gift that I've sent, that will be sent by the Father. And so the Holy Spirit did come, filled the early church. And so they were witnesses. They were powerful witnesses, the first purpose. The second one is for the church body itself. The gifts of the Spirit have been sent as power tools. Talked about that last week. We're going to talk about that even more today. But they, they're sent to build up the body, to strengthen us. So the gifts of the Spirit are given by God in order to cause the church to mature, to grow, to become what the church is meant to be, the, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, triumphant, experiencing his power, his change, his transformation work, and of course, be a constant testimony of the presence of God. And then the third one is that we would be able to grow individually, okay? The Holy Spirit is sent to encourage you, to build you up, to teach you, remind you all the things that Jesus said, teach you how to apply it to your life and to any culture and period of time in history. The Holy Spirit is your advocate. He stands on behalf. He speaks on your behalf. He speaks to you. He's ready to speak to you, to encourage you, to comfort you, to strengthen you, to show you how to move and to live. And he's also going to show you how to use these gifts. He is going to apply these gifts according to his plan in your life generally, but also in your life through you to do some amazing things. So before I get to the lists here in just a moment, you know, there's a lot of interesting focus on, uh, uh, you know, super 
villains and superpower people like Superman and Batman and the Avengers and all that. Real interest in our culture and all that. And there's, uh, you know, in Hollywood and all these movies that they seem to keep powering out. And there's a, a tremendous amount of, of, of fruit coming from that. People go to those movies in droves. And, you know, you think about that. What, what attracts us to those movies? Well, I'll tell you what it is. We all like the idea of having a superpower. We all like the idea to be able to live beyond our human you know, strength, that there be an ability to, at any given time, to lift something we could never lift or to be able to, you know, have the laser beams come out of our eyes or be able to fly or to do all kinds of things. We look at that and we enjoy it vicariously. Come on, we know it's true. We want a superpower. We want to become that super person, but we can only enjoy it vicariously because deep in our hearts, we know that can never happen. It's fantasy. But is it really? When you think in terms of what I'm going to share with you today, has God provided Christians with a superpower, so to speak, to be able to do some amazing things? Well, he certainly has. And the sad thing is a lot of the church does not know it. And a lot of Christians walk around with a, 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 a sense of defeatism, a sense of just kind of holding out until I die and go to heaven when the great up yonder, but yet... That's not what we're called to do. That's not what has been given to us as far as this great commission. This is not what we have been, again, called. This is not what Jesus did, nor what he did with his disciples in the three years that he was with him. Did that all just stop when Jesus left? Well, no. The book of Acts is an absolute testimony to the fact that the church continued to move in signs and wonders and miraculous events in order for the church to continue to do amazing things throughout the Mediterranean, Asia Minor, and all as far away as Rome and even beyond. As a matter of fact, the church continued to grow. Matter of fact, the church turned upside down the greatest, largest civilization in the history of mankind, the Roman Empire. That is what the church is called to be and to do. But how do we do it? Well, Jesus told us. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon ye. And so we're going to look at these gifts. Now, what we learned last week is the church from that day of Pentecost on even up through the Corinthian exhortation there that we're going to look at a little bit today, we find that the church has grown. It's matured. It's had time to look at the gifts operating in the church local and to see how they're going to function. So I'm going to take some time based not only what I, I've read from Scripture, but in my life, in what I've observed after 38 years, almost actually 39 years now, of walking with Jesus. And so I want to share that with you today. There are two main categories of gifts when we talk about gifts of the Spirit. Now, there are tons of gifts, and so this won't be comprehensive if you go through it. Uh, but I want to cover two major distinct categorical groups that I think are going to really help you if you understand and you're learning to flow in this. Let's look at the first one. It's called the motivational gifts. In Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, Paul presents a list of giftings that are really, really unique. And they're set apart from the spiritual gifts or the, charisma, the charismata uh, that we'll look at here in just a moment. And you'll see why these are so important when it comes to the function and health of every believer and, of course, the local church. Let's look at them. Paul says here, By the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, 
but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. And it's interesting, Paul, before he starts talking about these gifts, is he wants to remind them, stay humble. Because what I'm getting ready to share with you is pretty amazing. It's, it's going to be something that's going to bring an amazing amount of fruit in your life. It's going to be a manifestation of God through you. But understand this, it is God. It is God flowing through you. So just remind you of that. In accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you, for just as each one of us has, and we're, uh, uh, each of us are one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. That's right. We have toes, we have feet, we have hands, we've got a head, all of that, all working together to make us a functioning body. So in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So God doesn't give us just all one the same gift. He gives us many different gifts, creatively displayed throughout the body of Christ, which is why we use that word, to be able to bring forth an amazing amount of ministry. Now, don't forget that word, ministry. So in Christ, okay, verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve it. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, here we have a list of gifts that are really unique, and I'm going to tell you, before I get into the biblical uh, aspect here, I'm going to tell you something that's very unique about these gifts, and that is that every single human being are given these gifts. Christian or non-Christian. These are gifts that we're all born with. These are proclivities. These are natural things. Because You know why? Because God loves all of his children. God created all of us. Every human being on the face of the earth is the sun shines on, the rain comes down and washes away all the pollen for him. It is the grace of God. He loves every single human being. And so his mark of his love has been placed in every human being often displayed in his gifts, this list of gifts we see right here. So the point is that these are passions, these are motivations that will be unique to every single human being. However, when a person gets filled with Christ, when gives their life to Christ and they get filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God moves through these passions, these particular unique parts of the body, individual human beings, and brings in the superpower. So what we're talking about is the importance, and I'm saying this before we get into all this, the importance of, number one, recognizing what it is, and number two, knowing how to flow with the Holy Spirit with that gift. Very, very incredibly important. See, the world has created this uh, kind of distortion, this disharmony, that when what we try to be is not what we're created to be. And when the more we try to be something that we're not, the more disconcerting inside, but also to others that we become. And so God has a natural design in each of us. And if we learn, I call it living, a fret, living life on the wrong fret. And the reason why is because I'm a musician and I could pick up the guitar right here and, and, and play a couple of, of voicings on it, to play a couple of chords and just show you. And if all I had to do was just move that to another position, it would be a mess. It wouldn't make harmony. It'd be just like, man, stop that. And that's the way certain human beings live when they try to live in somebody else's shoes, 
when we try to be something that we're not created to be, which is why when you come to the next step class, Pastor Jamie's going to help you identify what your gift is, how God has created you to be, your natural proclivity, his natural creation. And when you ask the Holy Spirit to come and to fill you and ask you to, to be used through this gift, this is where your superpower kicks in. This is where you become something amazing. And Paul is here saying, look, if it is your gift to do such and such, do it. Do it with all the grace of God. Do it with all of your energy. Do it with focus. Do it with intentionality. That's where things will really start happening through you. Let's look at the list. Number one, there's prophecy. Now, prophecy is very unique because in this context, it's not what we think in the sense of prophesying or predicting the future, especially as we would think in an Old Testament sense. No, this is more of the passion, the prophetic passion. And what is that? As I began to look in the Greek, what it really means is a person that has the ability. So let's look at this perhaps from a natural gift. These people would be somebody who would maybe gravitate toward the finance industry or someone who would get involved in something that would they'd have a really good sense of predicting the future, of predicting an outcome, whether it becomes with like finances or, or even somebody who gets into the, the, the world of, 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 of examination and looking ahead to be able to see, okay, based on what I know here, this is what I think the outcome is going to be. And so there's a real prophetic nature that, 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 that's a part of that, but it's more of a natural gift. But if the Holy Spirit gets behind that, then it can actually open the door to the Spirit of God moving through and just putting that on hyperdrive. And not just because of the, 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 the supernatural aspect of it, but of the focus and the purpose and its use to expand the kingdom of God. In other words, you're using that gift to help others achieve a greater fruitfulness in their life and helping them to perhaps just to motivate them, to, to encourage them to stay on the course they're on or to keep doing what they're doing or to maybe make some changes. It could also, as you look into it, it also it appears to mean a person who has the ability to forecast, yes, but I'm based on what is naturally known, not necessarily what's supernaturally known. We'll look at that in a minute. It could also mean an inspirational speaker, even a psalmist, a poet, which is why sometimes psalms and poems have somewhat of a predictive or a future cast kind of nature to them. Okay, so this is, so what he's saying is, look, if you've got a prophetic nature, then use it for the kingdom, surrender it to God, and use it in that light. Secondly, serving. He says, so what we have is a person who has a natural tendency to want to serve. You walk in a room, you notice all the details. Like, yeah, you know, there needs to be a few more seats here, or we need to set up a table there, or have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? And a person who serves, who just sees a need and jumps right in, you have the natural passion and focus to make that happen. That's a serving gift. And yet sometimes, as Paul relates some of these, that a lot of times we think that these gifts, especially serving, might be a lesser gift when nothing could be further from the truth. Because when a person finds out what their gift is and they use that in a proportion to their faith and to the need, whoa, we need servants. Didn't Jesus say that the greatest among you would be the what? The servant of all. As a matter of fact, the serving gift has more opportunity 
to experience the power of God than most. You need to think about that one. And so does a servant, a person who just says, you know, I, I can't really speak. I don't, I don't really know how to pray. I, I don't really, you know, I don't prophesy. I don't do all the stuff, that, all the spiritual stuff. Look, Jesus walked into a room and he said, Mary, you've chosen the better thing when it came to Martha. But that did not discredit the fact that what not, I mean, Martha had that gift and there's no way that Jesus was taking that away. But the truth of the matter is what we're talking about here is using our gift in the context of the kingdom of God. And so when we let the Holy Spirit get in there and we jump into the body of Christ, we begin to serve others. The word there in the Greek is diakonos, which is where we get the word deacon from. So deacons are people who have a serving gift, but it's, it's more than a serving gift. In many ways, it's actually a serving gift that's been anointed by God to be in leadership as well, which is pretty cool superpower. Somebody who can come in and serve by the grace of God, by the Spirit of the Lord. What can a serving person do? Well, they can change your life. <laughs> I'll tell you what, how many times have you experienced that when somebody came in and helped you, did something, served you with not, not wanting anything in return, but just served you with the love of Jesus? Whew, powerful stuff. Very powerful. Teaching. Now, teaching, again, is one of those things that, that I'm not going to spend a lot of time on because it's, it's uh, didaskon, to help others learn the truths of life in the context of biblical truth. And I like that. So a teacher, a real motivational teacher, a person who has a real passion for teaching, it's not just saying, I want you to have knowledge. It is a person who says, I want you to have the knowledge and know how to use it. And so in the church, a lot of times, people who have motivation of gift, of teaching, and whatever, you know, it is my responsibility for these services to be that person up here. And so, but that's not the only place where we have teaching opportunities. Absolutely. We've got small groups. And if you've got the gift of teaching or your passion is to teach, we want to help you do that. We want to release you because, man, you need to use it. That's your superpower. That's a place where you can have passion and let it flow and people's lives will be changed. More than that, the body will be strengthened. Got to have it. Now, in, in, in the list, in the NIV, it's, it's encouragement. But that's not, that's not the better translation. The better translation is in the King James or the New American Standard, where it's exhortation. That's better. Because the Greek translation there is parakaleo, which, of course, is the same word we use for the Holy Spirit in the helper. So exhortation. But let me explain this gift, because this is one of my favorite ones for an obvious reason here in a second. But it's to call for, to beseech, to urge, this is none other than an encourager or a coach who helps inspire and urge to embrace change for the good. So when we talk about this gift of exhortation, man, we need this in the church. Matter of fact, folks, you need this in your life. You know, I'm going to compare and contrast this to the mercy gift because a lot of times what we think we want is a person with a mercy gift. And what does a mercy gift person do? They walk up and hold your hand. It's going to be all right. It's all right. God forgives you everything's going to be good. And you know what? That makes you feel good at the moment, and it heals the wound, but it doesn't bring change. What we need, you know, the people that changed my life the most, the ones that had the most impact in my life were the exhorters in my life. And you know what? They were tough. They were the kind of people that came up and said, look, I love you, but what you're doing there is stupid. You need to stop that. You know I love you. You know I'm for you. You know, I'm going to be here every single day, but you know what? You need to stop. 
And see, that's a coach. A good coach is going to come up, and he's going to write and say, you're doing it wrong. What? Yeah, you're doing it wrong. And if you just stop doing it and do it this way, then you're going to have more success. See, exhorters, that ex exhortation gift is absolutely needed in the body because we, have, as a culture, have become a little soft. What we want is more mercy. What we want is, you know, we want soft-serve Christianity. That's what we want. But you know what? That's hurting us, big-time hurting us. And I hate to say it, but I think more pulpits across this nation are backing off the confrontational aspect of the Word of God and why we need truth spoken in love now. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. It has to be spoken in love. But we absolutely need that. That is the kind of change that's the kind of gift that will bring change. That's my gift. Coach, love you, I'm for you, but we need to move forward. We need to make some changes. We've got to make and do some things in order to embrace what God, which is why we have the forward campaign. We need, if we're going to fulfill what God has for us, got to move forward, got to move forward. And we need those kind of people. I need those people in my life. Because they bring inspiration. See, we all, get, I'm gonna, before I'm done with this, we all get into a, root, a, a rut in life. We go through the same things. We go through the same cycles. And every once in a while, you need somebody who sees that and just says, you need to change. You need to stop. You need to make these, you need to make these adjustments. Absolutely. Then there's giving. Metadidos, or dedus, or didos, to give a share of, in the context it, this context is sharing of one's finances with those who have a clear need. Now, a person have, has this gift. Now, by the way, going back to exhortation, if you've got that gift, that needs to be turned loose, whether it be in a small group or in your life. You need, if you're holding back on that gift, people around you need for you to coach them, to love them, to push them a little bit, to inspire them. Absolutely need it. Now, with this giving gift, it's interesting about a person that's got a give, gift of giving. I think we all misunderstand understand it. We think that a person who has a giving gift is just walking around. They're just throwing out their cash everywhere they go. You know, they're just like Santa Claus, just giving away money. That's not the, that's not the gift, person who's got the gift of giving. What I have found is the person who's got the gift of giving tends to be the tightest tightwad there is. They, need, they know how to make money, and they know how to keep that money. But they also have a gift of giving. And so a lot of times what they do is they sit back and they watch, and they're looking for a clear need. And when it's ready, they move and they give into that situation, they bless someone's life in a significant way. But it's not, it, it's, it's, it's not haphazard, it's not done, you know, it's, it's thoughtful, and it's often, when we talk about being led by the Spirit, it'll be the Spirit of God inside them saying, you need to give to that. That's a superpower. That's a person who can come into another person's life and really help them in a time where it needs to be helped. See, I think we spoil the opportunity for the real givers to move forward because we rob them of their opportunity. Let that one sit out there. I think the culture we've created, we've stripped away God, we've stripped away the givers, we've stripped away the, the opportunity for the gift of the Spirit to move there because we want to create an entitlement, entitlement uh, culture where God is not needed. Not needed in any of these. But in this gift of giving, folks, we have got to recognize it. If you've got it, then give it. Because not, whenever you function in any one of these gifts, you know what happens? You feel the greatest joy. Why? Because you're living on fret. You're playing where you're supposed to be playing. And out comes harmony. 
not only to the people that experience it, but you yourself, when you are functioning. We all, everybody likes to feel like a success, okay? Everybody likes to be doing what you are in design to do. And when you do, you feel it. In, in my own life, you know, I've, I've done a lot of things in my life, but it's amazing at the age of 55 that I finally discovered some of the things that I really, really enjoy doing, like painting and picking up my guitar and playing music again. And I just realized I was made to do these things. And for me to not do these things is kind of just squashing a, a part of my nature, part of my design. So let's just take that and look at your life. What is it in these motivational gifts? What are the passions that are either misdirected or they're not even being brought forth in the church at all? So, I mean, so maybe you are using those passions out there, out there and for the world or to advance your, your, your business or to advance some other cause. Amen, that's fine. But the church is kind of getting the short end of the stick. We need you. We need your gift in the context of the kingdom of God because it's there where the superpower comes. That's where the anointing of the Holy Spirit will come upon it and do amazing things through you. Then there's lead to stand before and preside over on God's behalf. And he says, do it diligently. Now, the gift of leadership is, is very important. We need leaders. And that's a person who has a natural gift of what we call convocation. And I've learned that. We've done a lot of study in leadership over the many years. And the church has really grown in understanding leadership. And it's not just because we've learned it, but there's been a lot of, uh, of groups out there, even secular groups, that where we've improved the understanding of leadership. And the first step is identifying who the leader is. And if you've got the gift of leadership, it will definitely come out. You know, years ago, I went on a, it's called Leadership Roanoke Valley. Did anybody, has everybody been on that? You go away to the beach, and you do a bunch of stuff, and you jump, and anyway, it's kind of fun. But anyway, I went away to do that. They invited me and got involved, and, and I remember we got to this obstacle course, and that's what you do is as a group, they break you up into teams, and you go off and you do these little team events. And so we got to this obstacle course. We had to get over the wall, and so I was with a group, and so we were just sitting there, and you had to figure out based on who you had in the group, coming up with ideas how to get over the wall. Oh, it was a pretty high wall. So I'm just looking at that going, and nobody was moving. Nobody's doing anything. I'm like, shine this. All right, you. You stand over there. You over there. I don't even know. What's your name? And boom. You just got to get it done. If you're that kind of person, you got that leadership and gift inside you. The kingdom of God needs you. We need you. We need leadership. It's ability to draw and to convert, bring forth others to use their gift. So that's important. And then finally, mercy. I told you I was going to talk about mercy. Now, mercy wonderful, wonderful gift. And I don't want you to think that I despise it in any sense, in any way, because exhortation and mercy doesn't always get along. And I'll tell you why. Where the exhortation person is saying, look, you need to suck it up, the mercy's person is over there saying, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. The mercy person with the gift of mercy is the one you want coming to see in the hospital, okay? Not the exhortation person. Because that person's going to walk in and say, what are you doing? I mean, what are you doing? You need to get up, man. I mean, how long are they going to have you in here? Tink, 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 tink. I mean, come on. Whereas a mercy's person's mercy motivated person is going to sit next to you. They're going to put their hand on your forehead. They're going to pray for you quietly. They're going to stay with you until the nurses run you out. That's what you want. Speaking words of kindness and love in those moments. All right? So the best gift at the best time is what we're really talking about here. And God is ready to make it happen. 
bring your anointed passion to bear, like a big gun to bear on the need. So Paul's mentioning these motivational gifts because they are gifts of the Spirit when we are submitted to the Spirit. To not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to in reference to these gifts, but we still need to be humble enough to let God use them through us. That is key. The church will grow. The world will change. When we take our passions and our natural proclivities, our inclinations, and surrender them to God for the kingdom, that's our first list. Second list are the spiritual gifts. Now, these spiritual gifts are more of the superpower. As a matter of fact, it's not really using your natural inclinations at all, which is interesting. These are gifts that flow through any given Christian who has faith and availability to be used. And so I think this is probably the part of the Bible, the part of the, these gifts, the, the, this superpower, if we want to call it that, that I think the church misses out on the most. And, well, for many different reasons, as I've already shared with you, I think it, it scares us. You know, one of the things that we're taught as pastors, and we have this little saying around here at Valley, it's to be spiritual without being spooky, okay? That's, that's, that's a goal of ours, to be spiritual without being spooky. In other words, to freak people out. You know, you talk about demons, everybody runs. It's like, you know, I'm, I kind of got to talk about those things from time to time. But, you know, I think it's because the church gets a little freaked out by the spiritual things that a lot of times we just are not comfortable, and so we just back away, and we never talk about them. Well, that's not a good idea, because what are we sacrificing when it comes to the fruitfulness, the power, and the impact of the church? Well, let's look at these. What are the spirit? The pneumaton charismaton supernaturally given by God for a certain need at a certain time for evangelism, for building up of the church, and for personal edification. Given by the Holy Spirit to a group of people or to any individual who needs God to come in supernaturally and do something. Well, this is what we see Paul giving us a wonderful list. Now, I'm not going to read the verses. If you got the notes, you can go. Just for the sake of time, I, I really want to cover these. Uh, as many as I can. So he gives us a list, and I'm going to go through them. He gives us the word of wisdom. Now, this is more than just natural wisdom. This is supernatural wisdom. And what is that? That is a course of practical wisdom that does not come from yourself. You could never figure it out. It is something, it is, it is the untangling of the conundrum. Conundrum. It is the ball of of, of your life all twisted up and you can't figure it out how to get out of it. But a word of wisdom comes and gives you a plan, how to walk through it, how to take steps. It is, it, it can, uh, in all three cases, it, this gift, this word of wisdom it can use, be used in the context of evangelism to be able to share a word with an unbeliever and how to give them a solution. It can be given in the context of the local church to build each other up through counsel, through just coming up and just lovingly sharing a course of action that God has given. It could also be something you use in your own life. Folks, I mean, when you look at these spiritual gifts, I, you really need to stop and say, am I shortchanging myself? I mean, even since this series has begun, I have taken more opportunity myself to just stop and say, have I really asked God about this? Have I asked God about this situation, about that situation, about that conundrum, about that confusion, about this need I'm just like, man, Lord, you're here for all of that. And so if we'll just stop, stop and take time and ask God for that word of wisdom. How about that word of knowledge? What is that? 
what a word of knowledge is knowing a detail, a bit of information that you could not have possibly known. Now, I will say this. We live in an era of an unbelievable knowledge, which is why we often don't see this gift in operation as much, because you can Google it. You can go to Wikipedia. We all do it. And, and as far as information and knowledge, it's, it's, it's doubling after a certain period of time, I think every 7 to 11 years, whatever that is. We've got so much knowledge now, nobody really stops anymore to just ask God, God, is there a piece of information here? But, you know, even in the midst of all of that, there are things that God knows that human beings could never know. What does God know and when did he know it? God knows all things and he's always known it. Does God know the heart of every single man on the, and woman and child on the planet? He absolutely does. So, in the context of ministry, in the context of evangelism, in the context of being able to do something in, in, in a way that the Spirit of God speaks to you about someone. I shared that experience with you last week when God spoke to me. He said, go down to the river, go speak to that guy. And God arranged an event that was supernatural from beginning to end. Did I know where I was going that day? No. Did I know who this man was? No. Did I know any detail about his life? No. Who did? And can we experience that more often in our life? Yes, if you're willing, according to your faith. According to your faith. If you say, I don't believe in any of this. Well, I love you, but you're not going to have any of it. Because when it comes to doubt, let not that man think that anything will happen in his life that is spiritual. But if you're asking God to do something through you and you have a belief, you have a trust, you know the Holy Spirit's inside you, and you know he wants to flow through you, then there's expectation. Expectation is invitation. Invitation is the Holy Spirit coming. That's all he needs. Holy Spirit, I know you're here. Holy Spirit, I know you're ready to speak to me. There's a need. No one knows what to do. Lord, I just ask you to give me a bit of knowledge. You know, sometimes I've seen it happen in counsel. Well, that's probably where I've experienced it the most, where I'll just be speaking to somebody and God drops a bit of information. In Have you, do you struggle with fear? Yeah. And I just, I've actually seen it move in other people's lives, not so much in mine. Mine is usually just generic, but I've seen it say, there's somebody named Bill in your life that has abused you. Is that right? Boom. What does that do to a heart? What does that do to a soul? The first thing is, whoa, God sees. Two, you are here to help me get through that. And of course, that's the great news. Is that, like in the case of that man down by the river, my name is David. And I've been sent, I believe that God has sent me to come and pray for you, the brother, to, to encourage you and for you to give your life to Christ. Supernatural. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Then there's faith. Now, we all know what faith is. It's believing, right? It's believing God. But this is supernatural faith. This is faith that comes into a situation. And it may, it will be for you, but more often what I've seen is that you'd have faith for somebody else's life. That somebody is struggling, they're battling with something, and you're just going, uh-uh, this ain't happening. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to, on my watch, I'm not going to see that person suffer. I'm not going to see him languish. So you walk up and you just say, look, I got faith for your life. I got faith for this situation. I, in my heart, in my knower, God's going to move in your life. What is that? It's faith. Where'd it come from? God. God dropped it in your heart because you're hungry. You're, you want to be used by him. And he gives you faith. And how will you know it's faith? Because you usually see it in the face of the person you're telling. They'll, they'll, their eyes will brighten. They're just like, Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for praying. Pistis, assurance, belief, 
It's more than just for salvation, but for God to actively move in any, in all situations requiring God to do it. God provides it. Gifts of healing. Now, notice it's plural. So there are many different gifts. A sister uh, last week came up as I had just introduced the idea of this. She said, you know, Pastor David, is it possible that gifts of healing would flow through doctors as well? I said, absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind that, of course, Luke was a physician. But what, and, and, and uh, you know, pharmacology and, and uh, studying of the body and even surgery going back as far as early, early man has existed. And I believe that's a gift from God. Absolutely. And so all that man has learned, we have to give credit to, and glory to God that that is something we have achieved. So yes, God can use that, most definitely. But can, can, can God, but do doctors sometimes get to a place where they're just saying, I'm done here. We don't know what to do. We don't know what it is. We don't know how to treat this. <clears throat> We're fresh out. Absolutely. We have people with those kinds of situations all the time. Now, I, I wish I'd mentioned this in the first service, but, you know, Terry, uh, Terry Edwards, Terry, what was amazing there is she went to the doctor, and we prayed for her several times because her liver was failing. We prayed for her up in the front, prayed and prayed and prayed. I just talked to her just 20 minutes ago, and she said that when she got healed, it brought her in front of all the staff there at the hospital, and the, the, the main surgeon said, this is a miracle. How on earth did that happen? And how is it that God is giving, getting glory because of something that obviously, isn't it awesome that even though they were involved in it, they knew there was an aspect of it that they had no clue how it even happened. Glory to God. And in front of all those students, in front of all those uh, you know, interns, all learning and seeing that sometimes healing is certainly just a matter of God doing it. Now, are there other gifts of healing? Yes, I believe in the gifts of, of, of the spirit, soul, and body. That even in the spirit, that, that when it comes to a person's soul, I have, I have moved in that many, many years, and it, just having faith for that. I can look at a human being, and it doesn't matter what you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've been through. I don't care what the damage that this world has done to you. I have faith in all of my heart that God can restore you and God can put you right in there for you to be able to move forward. There's not anything, any damage to the human soul that I, I do not have faith. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. I have faith that God can heal it because that's a gift of healing. And you know that. So those are the kind of people. Seek those people out that you know have that gift or seek that. These are people that come down to the front. You got a sickness? You got something going on? Why would you walk out the door and not ask some of these people who flow in that gift to pray for you? I love you. Now you see my exhortation gift coming up. So it's, it's, yeah, I'm not being nice about it. I'm sorry. But it's more of a coach kind of thing. Do it. Get your hiney down here. Let's pray for you. Let these people stand with you. Change your life. Get on with the good stuff. Amen? All right, moving on. Miracles. Dunamis. Dynamaeon dunamis. Notice what the word, the, core, the root word of that is. It's the same as power. And so miracles are simply God moving miraculously, powerfully in any situation. You know, this is what I believe about miracles. There are more miracles that happen in your life every single day that you don't even know are happening. And you really should thank God for that. The fact you're sitting in the seat today is a miracle. 
<laughs> and he's doing these miracles all around you. And so you need to acknowledge that. And what you need to do with that is, is ride that thing to grow your faith. God is moving in my life miraculously. Therefore, he can do it again. And he can do it in what? Even greater ways? Yes. Folks, we need to acknowledge the miraculous power and move of the Holy Spirit in our generation. Boy, do we ever need it now. Folks, we've seen some pretty miraculous things happen on a national scale that I will not comment about, but I'll tell you what, more than you know. More than you know. Prophecy. The actual, now this is the actual gift of, of here, the actual gift of speaking on God's behalf. It's predictive as well as declarative. In other words, it can speak of the future, but more often than not, it's speaking about giving a prophetic perspective of heaven for your current situation. In other words, it might be God knows what you're going through. God's going to walk, help you walk through it. So it does have a predictive sense, but it's really a right now thing. That's prophetic without doubt. Now, whatever you believe about prophecy, it's interesting. So I've told you before, I grew up, you know, for, the, for all intents and purposes, a person without the church, no influence by any denomination whatsoever. I just happened to be thrust in as a young man into a group of people who just believed that the Bible from cover to cover was true. And so when I began to study the gifts of the Spirit, I had no, no predilection. I mean, I had no preconceived ideas of whether they were for here to today or went out or God went on retirement or whatever. I had no idea of any of that. I was just like, well, there it is. Shouldn't we be seeing this more? And so absolutely began to just embrace it and starting to watch it happen. And so when we talk about prophecy, I look at it in that, in that perspective. You just say, you believe in prophecy? Yeah, it's changed my life. I've had so many words over my life. It is amazing how what I mean, Andrea and I are here because of a prophetic word. Benny is doing what he's doing because of a prophetic word. And all my children, and in many instances where there's been a prophetic thing, I lead prophetically. There's no doubt in my mind. There gets to places where I just say, Lord, you got to speak to me, and God will speak to me. Or write it down. I got journals full of messages from God that have come true over the period of the last 15 years. Um, it's amazing. You need to be tapping into that. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, one of the most misunderstood and messed up studies, I think, that modern pastors have done because I think they've thrown out the baby with the bathwater. In other words, there's a baby to be had. You should be letting him grow up among us. And that is that the gifts of the Spirit he says, so Paul is talking about confusion. What's happening is the church has is, is, is been immature in its handling of the gifts. And so Paul steps in and says, look, he said, you know, when it comes to tongues, when it comes to all this stuff, you guys need to knock that off, not stop speaking in tongues. He says, look, I speak in tongues all the time. He says, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than all of you. He says, but if you're going to do that, you really need to bring it in order. You shouldn't be all speaking in tongues at the same time because people are walking in the door and saying, these guys are creepy. And that's what was going on. So Paul says, look, you know, bring some more. And he says, I would rather speak. And here's the key. When we talk about prophecy, two key things. One, Paul said, I would rather speak five words or four, whatever the number he uses, of, that, of intelligible prophecy than reams of speaking in tongues. What he's saying is the prophetic gift is something we should have and that it is actually a great maturing gift in the body of Christ. I've seen that to be the case. 
I've seen more churches grow, get out of trouble, experience greater breakthroughs when this prophetic gift is turned loose. And people are taught and know how to use it. It's a superpower. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to us, the heart of God. Now, does it mean new scripture for today? Does it mean new revelation? No, that's the line. Mm. It's just for my edification, the building up of the church, and potentially for any evangelistic purpose that it might have. Read the book of Acts, and you'll find all of these gifts at work. So, it's a powerful gift. The last one I want to share is discerning of the gifts, uh, discerning of spirits. Now, we're going to go over a little bit here, but I just want to say this, because uh, I didn't, I didn't uh, share this in the first service because I didn't have enough time, and, uh, and this is being recorded, so I wanted anybody else to come back and listen to this. So here's the deal. Discernment of spirits, big, huge. You need to pray for the gifts of the discerning of spirits. And why? Because I believe that is the five senses in the spirit realm. You cannot, if you're blind, you can't smell, and you can't touch, then what can you do? Honestly. You're very, very limited. You're very handicapped for all intents and purposes. We try to move around and negotiate in the spirit realm without the senses of the spirit realm. We don't see in the spirit. We don't smell in the spirit. We can't touch. We can't even move because we're deaf, mute, and blind. I think that's all together. Yeah. Because we're not moving in the spiritual senses and this gift of discernment. And this is how it works. That when you're moving around and you're connected and having this face time with God, he's there to give you the ability to perceive what's going on, to see, foresee the, ev- the evil in a predictive sense and be able to take flight. And just, it, I think I mentioned this, last, well, I did Thursday night, but it's like smelling. Something ain't right. And we all know when we smell something bad that it ain't right. We also know when something smells really good, when somebody's got a barbecue going. Ooh, that's awesome. Discernment is your smelling in the spirit that you're able to walk into a situation and say, something ain't right. I don't know what it is, but it ain't right, and I'm not supposed to be involved in this. Or I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to stop and say, God, what's going on here? It might be the discernment of a certain spirit. John said, he said, what did he say? Test the spirits, that whether you know they're of God or not, that's what this discernment is for. You as a Christian need this. So many of us could spare our lives of fatal, struggling decisions if we would ask God to give us a greater discernment of what's going on. When it comes to discernment, it is more effective in understanding a spiritual condition or knowing a person's heart. Now, I'm telling you, what is that worth to you? What is it worth to you when somebody who's trying to deceive you or they're being led by bitterness or they're being led by control or manipulation, that you'd be able to sense a person's heart just by the Holy Spirit just saying, not good. Good person doing bad. Bad bad person doing really bad. Or a bad person trying to do good. What is that worth to you? Is that a superpower that's worth something to you? You're darn right it is. Discernment as Christians, I'm telling you, we need more of it. 
We need a whole lot more of it, and we will see more success in raising our kids, more success in our marriage, more success in every, even in your business realm as a Christian business person. What would that be worth to you? Quite a bit. Folks, God wants to give you these gifts. He wants these things to function in your life. He wants us to be able to FaceTime with him, but he's ready to bring us to supercharge not only our passions, but to give us gifts from heaven to help us to be more fruitful. How do we get them? You just ask, okay? Now, you can be taught and encouraged and mentored in the use of these things, and that's wonderful. We really should have small groups where we, we learn and we grow in these things. Don't let fear or intimidation or wrong teaching freak you out on all that. I mean, folks, we've been called to a pretty freaky situation. I hate to put, I mean, I hate to put it that way, but you live in a world where there are angels and demons, and whether you believe they're there or not, I'm sorry they're there and you better wake up because they want to eat your lunch. They want to keep, they want to rob you, kill you, and destroy you. They want to rip you off from day one, and they will use any and every means at their disposal, even good people. Is that something you want? You can say yes or no. If you say yes, I'll stop. Okay. It wasn't enough, but I'll go ahead and stand up.